the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership for Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Each week, every Saturday at this time, live on YouTube and around the United States on Sirius XM Radio 131. Here's Larry Rosenthal. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? Good, good, good. Good, good, good. good Excited deal, about today. Good deal. Yeah, check it out. Check us. You can check us out, too, on LarryRosenthal.tv, streaming live on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, WAVA in the D.C., Baltimore area, and Sirius XM nationwide, coast to coast, just like you said, on Channel 131 Family Talk. Mm-hmm. Well, good morning. And, man, we've got to just get right into it, Chris. Uh, we don't have yeah. any time for baseball, football talk, basketball, <laughs> hockey, or anything like that that you always try to do. Nothing like oh, that. Oh, it's, right? it's me that does that. Yes, okay. yes, yes. There we go. <laughs> we need to turn on the YouTube stream before, you know, 10 minutes before so we can get all the sports updates. You right? keep, running, me, I, right? you keep running me over with that bus. I'm going to give you the serial number next time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, listen, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We have a lot to talk about here on this Saturday morning. It's open mic Saturday, which I absolutely love. That means no holes barred, no questions uh, are, 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 are closed out. Give us a ring with anything on your mind regarding your investments, inflation, build back better program, tax increases, uh, what's going on in your retirement plan, stocks, whatever it may be, the economy. Give us a call at 855 855- Rose 123 Rose 123 That's 855-767-3123. With any of your financial planning, estate planning, insurance questions, whatever it may be, give us a call today. Open mic Saturday. Well, let's start off the show with, you know, what's going on in the markets, right? Wow. So much to talk about. So much to talk about, both on the positive side and on the negative side. Let's just jump right into it with the Omicron variant spreading. It's spreading fast. Um, It seems to be that it's very, uh, at least preliminary reports from from what I've seen, again, outside looking in, right, it seems to be 
uh, contagious, more contagious than other variants, but at the same time less harmful. Let's just hope that the less harmful part remains, right? Let's just hope this thing squashes Amen. down, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, what does this mean? What, what, what is the market looking at today? Where are we in what we would call the intersection of time? Which way is this stock market going to go? Which way is this economy going to go? What happened with this jobs report the other day, you know? We, we were very shy, you know, we, we, we were looking for 550-some thousand jobs, and we ended up with 200-and-some uh, for, for November. But the underpinnings of the jobs were in crucial areas of hire. So there was a little silver lining in that, in that, descript, in that jobs report that came out the other day. You know, last Friday, the market – two Fridays ago, the market – slammed down because of the new Omicron variant, right? And then on Monday, the market came roaring back. Tuesday this past week, the market was mixed, pushing up just a little bit in early morning. And then the Fed came in and said, hey, guess what, boys and girls? Inflation is here, and it's not transitory, and we're gonna, we may have to act on it more, more uh, sooner rather than later. That shot the market way down again, and then only to have a rebound on Wednesday. So we've seen market volatility be reintroduced back into all of our accounts, right? What does this mean going forward? How is this going to to uh, play out in the short run and this, this time next year? Where is this market going to be? You know, one of the things that we have to take a look at is, infl- is inflation, you know the the inflation numbers are 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 here, and the question becomes: Will the Fed remain patient before it starts to raise rates? Right now, the Fed has said in December they're going to talk uh, pretty strongly about how their bond buying program, about maybe tapering it down much sooner, which will lead to rate hikes probably the second half of next year. They've got to slow down this inflation stuff, right? But at the same time, if they if they slow down inflation too much, it could stall the economy and push the economy into a recession. This is where the term soft landing comes in. Some of the problems that we have with inflation is, you know, for the last 18 months or so, we have amassed, you know, uh, now, Chris, I'm not necessarily talking about just your bank account, right, but, but Americans' bank accounts, right? We've amassed over $2 trillion in what they consider excess savings during the pandemic, largely due to lots of, I mean, just historical levels of, of uh, stimulus. People have been saving their money, you know, and now that money's coming back into the system for, for, with high demand and low inventory because we've burned off supply chains or inventory over the last 18 months. That formula represents a couple of good in, good insights into where we are. Inflation, but at the same time, with heavy demand, you're talking about corporate earnings continuing to do strong, be strong and soar. So, so it's kind of a catch-22 right there. The question becomes this. Will inflation start to subside once we get supply chains back online and people back to work? And as people burn off this excess savings and they have to go back to work, then we're going to see inflation naturally come down toward an equilibrium part between, you know, point between uh, supply and demand. 
that's what's going on right here, you know. And, and you know, the, the inflation's going to come back down either naturally like I just described or the Federal Reserve's going to jump in and tamp it down with their, with their mechanics, with uh, bond buying programs being tapered down and then the possibility of raising interest rates. So how does this affect everything? What's going ha- to happen here um, you know, with, with it all? We're going we're gonna to find out here in the next couple of months exactly where we are. You know? So you take a look at, at, at the VIX. You know, Truist came out and said since 1990, they looked at the VIX, and it surged more than 40%. Uh, in, in, in a single day, um, it looked at the last 19 times since 1990 that it's done this. Remind me what the VIX is and how that it It's the volatility index. It's yeah. the worry index, right? Yeah. It's the, you know, the volatility index. When that VIX gets above, well, some people say 16, some people say 14, some people say 20. When it gets above where it is now, right, right uh, the, we see lots of volatility in the market, right? Okay. The good news is that that 18 out of the 19 times that it's happened, the year after, the market's had an average gain of 20%. Oh. So that just tells you it could be a temporary pullback, right? We just don't know where we are mm. right now. Now is the time to really take a good, hard look at where your investments are. What is your risk-reward relationship, right? Talk about the term beta. You know, the, 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 the term beta measures market volatility or systematic risk against the market, right? The market has a beta of 1.00. You take a look at all of your investments, your stocks, your bonds, your mutual funds, ETFs, whatever it may be. Collectively, if your weighted position is like a beta of, let's say, 0.8, that means you're 20% less risky than the market. You know, or if your beta is 1.15, that means you're 15% more risky than the market. What does this mean? Is it good or bad to be less risky or more risky? Yes. The answer is yes. It depends (laughs) on what your objectives are. Exactly, Chris. That's exactly right. You know, taking a look at the market action here, we also have – but what I mean by here is this past week. This past week, we actually saw the S&P 500 close below its 50-day moving average for the first time in months. And then yesterday – the market was getting hammered, as we all saw, right? But something interesting happened in the last 30 minutes of trading yesterday. Buyers came in and paired the losses substantially in the markets yesterday. You know, Dow was only down 50-some points yesterday. The S and the uh, 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 NASDAQ was down, you know, over 200, but at one point it was down substantially more than that. Buyers came in in the last 30 minutes, and yesterday the market closed right on its 50-day moving average, which is a technical measurement of the stock market. You know, if the stock market keeps bumping along the, the above its 50-day moving average, that shows that the market's healthy. It's strong. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it probably could continue to rise, whereas if it drops below the 50-day moving average, then you have to take a look at where its next support level is. So, so just some technical factors there talking about, you know, the, the byproduct of where the market is. And then you take a look at some of the bigger, bigger uh, indicators that we have. We take a look at the yield curve. It's been quite a while since I've talked about the yield curve. And we're getting a little deep here into some technicals and things like that. But when you take a look at the government treasury bonds, like the one-month bond, the six-month bond, the two-year bond, the 10-year bond, the 30-year bond, so forth and so on, the further out in time you buy a bond, the higher the interest rate should be. That just makes logical sense because you're tying your money up longer, right? 
Well, if the interest rates across all these bonds turn out to be flat, in other words, if a 30-year bond is giving the same interest as a 10-year bond, why would you buy the 30-year bond? Mm -hmm. You'd buy the 10-year bond, right? So when you start to see a flattening of the yield curve, it could lead to an inversion of the yield curve where the shorter bonds, the one month, the three-year, stuff like that, um, uh, is is actually yielding a higher rate of return than the longer bonds. That's usually an indication of a pending recession coming. Now, we're not there yet. I don't think we're going to get there, okay, at least at this point right in, in time. But a lot of this is going to depend on how the Fed navigates a soft landing. So here's the bottom line to where we are right now. We've got change. Change is happening and change was announced this week. <laughs> change was announced this week when Jerome Powell, head of the Fed, said, hey, listen, inflation looks to be a little bit more persistent rather than transitory. That is a huge change in monetary policy now, okay? And the Fed carries the biggest stick in the room, Chris. Oh, you know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that for years. Don't fight the Fed. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean right now? So now the Fed is looking at saying, all right, we're going we're gonna to try and, and put <clears throat> less money into the system, less money into the economy, because more money chasing too few goods creates inflation, right? So if they start pulling back and inflation continues to rise, they're going to have to start tapping up interest rates. When they tap up interest rates, it makes capital more expensive. It's harder to forecast things. You decide, no, you know what, I'm not going to buy a new car this year because my payment will be a little bit higher because the interest rate's higher. Or instead of three cars on my garage, I'm only going to get two cars on my garage, right? Or maybe even one car on my garage on a new house because interest rates have gone up, right? Now, the Fed is probably going to tap interest rates up just a little bit at a time, maybe 15 basis points, maybe 25 basis points, whatever it is. But that's an indication of them wanting to tighten the economy. Stocks don't like that at all, mm -hmm. right? People tend to slow down their spending because they get worried about the tightening of the economy, and it could stall the economy and push it into a recession. Yeah, and money the other gets hand, expensive the, when those interest rates start going back up, too. That's exactly right. On the other hand, Chris, if the Fed – is able to tap the interest rates up slightly and curtail inflation down without stalling the economy, then that's called a soft landing. And that's what the Fed is trying to navigate towards is a soft landing. So stay tuned over the next handful of months when we get out. You know, next week we should see the inflation reports for November, middle of January. We'll get December. That's going to give us some good intel as to where we really are in the process of all this stuff. Bottom line is this. We have not been here in this type of an economy for many, many years, I mean many, many years, where we're having to worry about inflation. I mean, let's face it, since 2000, basically, 2002, the, the Fed has been trying to get inflation to, to climb to 2%, right? And now we're well over it, you know, with a 4.62 annualized number. Last mm -hmm. month it was at 6.2 in, in uh, uh, October. So, so uh, you know, we haven't had the November number out yet. But my point is this, is now you need to take a look at a changing Fed policy. How is that going to affect the holdings, the asset classes, the sectors that's inside your investment portfolios, your retirement plans, the government TSP, your 401K plan, your brokerage accounts, all that kind of stuff. It will have an effect on it. There will be places to put money to and places to move money away from. So, hey, let's open up the phone lines, Chris. You've got to give – we've got to take a quick break here. 
It's a quarter past the hour. Give us a call here. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Dial us up with any of your financial planning or investment questions at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123, or 855-767-3123. You listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal here live in studio. Taking your phone calls, by the way, at 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Got some lines available for you if you want to jump on there right now, Larry. So let's talk about how how expensive inflation really is, Chris. You can go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and click on calculators. Costs more to buy your Starbucks coffee is all I know. (laughs) More Starbucks coffee. That's correct, Costs you more money. There you go. Uh, But you can go to my website, check it out, LarryRosenthal.com. On the top banner, there's a button there called Calculators. And you can you can pull that down, um, or I'm sorry, resources, and then you'll see calculators. You can pull that down, and then you'll find one that says in, inflation and retirement, inflation and retirement calculator. This morning, just for the fun of it, I put in somebody who was 40 years old, and I said that they were making $85,000 a year, okay, of income. The purchasing power of that is really 63,750 today. But at retirement age of 65, in order for them to have the same purchasing power of the $80,000 of income that they need, that they have today, they're going to need to have $179,384 of income in 20 years, okay, just to, in 25 years, just to match their income today. And then at life expectancy, they're going to need $323,000 and some change. That's at a 3% inflation rate. This is why inflation has to be controlled, right? This is why we cannot afford to have runaway inflation with, with things like this. And so so go check it out. Put in your own numbers. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. 
click on resources, and then you can see all the calculators there. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome Rosa on the line. Good morning, Rosa. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? I have a question on gift tax. I do understand that you can give up to $15,000 per year um, per person uh, without, without having to file a gift tax. And one, one, one question I will ask is why, who wins if you have to file a gift tax return? And this is my main question. If I'm a co-signer on a loan and I give this person this money up to 15000 and they take that money and pay on the loan, can I do that? Well, sure, you can gift anybody up to $15,000, and then the receiver of the gift is free to do whatever they want to do, okay? Will, will they be taxed? No, the receiver of a gift is never taxed. The receiver of the gift is never taxed. And one thing that you can do <clears throat> is, since you are a co-signer on this loan, is you can pay down the loan and still gift money to the other party. But what's the benefit? Paying down the loan. Right, but um, okay, because okay, it says that you know if you you give this money as a gift, and it'll save you taxes on your estate. How's that? Is that absolutely so? So now you're confusing a couple of things. So so, if you were to be subject to estate taxes, which the level today for a single person is $11,750,000. So if your estate is worth $12 million and you pass away, then you're going to be subject, your estate will be subject to taxes, an estate tax, a federal estate tax on that extra $250,000 in that example. So you can say, well, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and gift money, gift things away so that I come back down below that $11,750,000 level so my estate is not subject to estate taxes. And so what happened was a long time ago, people on their deathbed would gift things away to avoid it. Well, the government came in and said, hold on, boys and girls. You can only gift a certain amount per year to avoid that. So if you, in this case, if you were to gift $15,000 out of your estate, then you would reduce your estate exposure from $250,000 down to $235,000. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, it makes sense, but it's probably not the answer that I want. Well, I'm sorry that's not the answer that you want, but that's the, that's the rule. Mm -hmm. But you can gift – you can actually gift more than the $15,000 to whomever you want if you wanted to. It's just that if you gift over the $15,000, then you have to file a gift tax return, and then you can use up to $1 million of your lifetime gift benefit, and you won't have to pay tax on it today, okay? But you need to talk to a tax preparer about that. To, to see exactly how that works on your tax return. And you can gift, so if you wanted to gift, let's say, to your child who's married, you can give $15,000 to your child and $15,000 to your child's spouse, giving a total of $30,000 because it's per person is the gift. Okay. Okay. 
if you'd like, I'll be happy to send you out a, a whole a whole packet on the gift tax rules and everything like that on giving if you want. I'll be happy to put you on hold and have Bob get your information, and we'll be happy to send you out a, a packet on it next week. Yeah, I would appreciate that. Okay, let me put you on hold, and we'll go ahead and do that. Bob will pick you up in just a second. Appreciate the phone right. call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Let's welcome Walsall on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Walsall. How are you today? I am fine. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I am retired, and I have a 401K from my previous employer, and the RMDs have started, and I don't need all of it, so... I need advice on whether I should start an IRA and what kind of IRA. So you, you have money at an old employer's plan, and now you're looking to start an IRA? Uh, yes. Are you? Do you want to contribute to an IRA or roll your old employer's plan to an IRA? No, contribute to and start a new IRA. Are you working right now? No. Okay, so you're not eligible to put any money from a contribution standpoint into an IRA because you have to have earned income. If you're not working, you cannot contribute to an IRA, either a Roth IRA, a non-deductible IRA, or a traditional deductible IRA. You have to be working. Yeah, but what, what if I have other bank accounts? Even if you have bank accounts, you, you cannot take money unless it's earned income. And the definition of earned income, Wausau, is you're paying FICA tax on it, Social Security tax. That's, that's what you have to have. So you have to have an active job, either self-employed or working for someone where you're paying Social Security tax. Then you're eligible to contribute to an IRA. Now, you can take your, your old employer's plan and roll it over into an IRA. You're, you're allowed to leave your old employer's plan where it is, you can convert it to a Roth IRA if you wanted to. You can pull it out and pay tax and spend it. You can move it to a – you can roll it over to a new employer's plan, or, or you can roll it over to your own IRA plan. Um, and there's benefits of, of, of looking at all of those options for yourself depending on what you want to do. You know, one of the things that, that, that uh, people look at doing is moving money to their own IRA, rolling it over to their IRA – not only a lot of times can you invest in very similar things that's in your own employer's plan, but you have active management and possibly different product choices that you can look at getting, uh, and in some cases, divert more diversification, too. Um, but those are the choices that you can do with your old employer's plan. But again, to answer your question, you cannot contribute to an IRA unless you have earned income. I, and I have some, I have some okay. inf information I can send you out on all of this if you like. I can have someone give you a ring next week and, and step you through the details and take a look at your old employer's plan and show you what you can do with that as well, okay? Sure. All right, well, let me put you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information, and we'll have someone give you a follow-up ring next week, okay? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, appreciate thank you. The, yep, appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. It's open mic Saturday. No holes barred. No questions stopped. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal 
Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is that number to call right now. Jump on the phone and talk with Larry Rosenthal here in studio. 855 767 Three, one, two, three. Larry. Balancing a portfolio, balancing a portfolio, balancing investment objective risk sometimes is a pretty big task, right? And you have to take a look at some of the fundamentals of where stocks reside, either on the value side of the ledger or on the growth side of the ledger. Now, don't misunderstand the term growth because value stocks can grow, grow, grow too, right? All right. And so, so what is the difference here between the two different types of, of, of uh, lanes of traffic? And then you've got kind of the, the, uh, the blend mixture as well, Chris, which is a combination of both value You're talking and about growth. the mixing bowl in Washington, D.C. right now. <laughs> there you go. You're driving right, in right. traffic. Yeah. Yep, exactly. There you go. And, and, and the S&P 500 is a blend. The S&P 500 is partly growth, partly value. Mm-hmm. So it's a blend. Right. When you when you add it all up and take a look at it earlier this year, when the economy came out and uh, or, or when the economy sort of reopened and we started seeing uh, people coming back to work and people shopping and different things of that nature, we started to see inflation pressures actually push up and value stocks started to do very well. Matter of fact, they outpaced growth stocks for the first time in many, many years for the first half of this year. And right now. Basically, value and growth are pretty much neck and neck tied. Growth stocks have come back. So if we're going to get another round of inflation, we want to take a look at being balanced a little bit and start asking the question, what sectors are we in in our investments right now? 
Are we happy with the risk level that we have? There's a, there's a survey that came out. The latest numbers that I have is, is, is at the end of 2018. It's by the Investment Management Institute. And, and, um, uh, uh, and I'm sorry, Investment Company Institute, excuse me there. And it was talking about people coming out of the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, and it segmented this risk uh, type of a scenario out between people under 35, 35 to 49, 50 to 64, and over 65. And one of the interesting things that, that, that this survey pointed out, which kind of kind of goes against proper money management, so, so I want to talk about that, and it was showing – I'm just going to use the, the group of 65 and over people, okay? And it showed that in 2014 about uh, – sorry, in, in 2008, about 14% of them were willing to take more risk. And then in 2013, it showed 20% of people 65 and over were willing to take more risk. At the end of 2018, it showed that 22% of people age 65 and over were willing to take more risk in their retirement years in order to try and catch up for prior losses. And that kind of tells me that, that the question comes down to what does your financial plan tell you you need in retirement years – and what's the buy-sell decision process that you've implemented along the way, and how have your portfolios been balanced along the way to handle volatility times in the marketplace, especially when you're withdrawing money? Okay, When you're withdrawing money in a down market, it gets more and more costly. I'm going to pick a little bit more of this up in just a moment, but let's go ahead and welcome Thomas on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Thomas. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Well, look, um, so I am um, at my Social Security max age, um, and I'm still working. One of the questions I have is, should I withdraw my Social Security at this time? I plan to retire in about three to four years. Are you – when you say – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. When you say you're at your Social um, Security max age, is it your normal retirement age or is it age 70? My normal retirement age. Okay. So I'm trying to decide whether I should wait till I'm 70 or should I withdraw it now? And, I, and so that's one of the questions. The other question is, now I, I got started in the federal government late and not understanding how the market works. I kept my money in the G fund for a long time. I recently transferred over to the L L025 fund. But I'm and I'm not sure I'm trying to figure out the best way to invest that before I retire. Well, Thomas, here's the deal. First of all, your break even point between taking your money out at a full retirement age versus age 70 is usually several years down the road. That's your break-even point. Okay, so I need to look okay. at doing the math on what your expense needs are. Okay, in your case, I may tell you to go ahead and take it, or I may tell you to continue to defer it. All right, that's going to depend on what your living expenses need to be in retirement, because every year that you wait after your full retirement age up until age seventy, you get an eight percent increase on your Social Security. Right. So you're right. not in a position here where you have to continue to work and use your Social Security to sustain your standard of living, right? You're not using your savings right. to supplement your monthly income, right? 
Right. So right. we need to well, do I took the a class. I'm sorry. I took a class, and they told me my break-even point. They did the formula and everything. They said my break-even point would be 10 years after I retire. It, it could very well be. I need to see what your 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 earnings oh, are. Okay. But I said several years. I'm just ballparking it right, right here. Right. So so yeah, I've okay. seen these calculations all the time, and I can do them very quick once I get all the numbers in place. But that's the first okay. part of your your equation is we need to figure out what your your guaranteed income is going to be from your pension. Mm-hmm. We need to take a look mm-hmm. at what your estimated uh, monthly expenses are going to be in retirement when you ultimately retire, and then take a look at your savings and investments for supplements. Because it could very well okay. be that it might be to your advantage to take the Social Security now and invest that money over the next three or four years while you're still working. Uh, it, it'll be taxed and all that kind of stuff. That That is one thing. But the bottom line here, Thomas, is it is we need to put this into a cash flow analysis, like a financial retirement plan analysis, and, and then really be able to, to answer your question. I, I, I understand the okay. math, but I need more info. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to be able to do that, and if you like, we'll be happy to have one of our advisors do that for you. Um, well, again, I, just, I, w- I just want to add one one other thing. Yep. Now, my wife is eight years younger than me, so uh-huh. she's not retiring no time soon. That's the other caveat. And that goes into the formula as well. You know, because then we would take a look at, okay, maybe that's an argument that you don't really need your Social Security at this particular point. Maybe we go ahead and buy off on all of that. But at the same time, here's the deal. And here's where the real math equation comes in. When you ultimately pull that retirement date and you actually retire, the question then becomes, how much money do you need to withdraw from your own savings and investments? Or is your wife's income and your Social Security at that time, or if you take it now, large enough where you don't have to spend down your money? See, the game is this. If you're able to retire and maybe take so, – what you want to do is take as little of your own savings and investments as possible and spend that down okay. and use the Social Security money from the government ahead of time. That's what you want to oh, do okay. first. That's the math that we have to really take a look at. I need to get a good understanding of what your expenses, anticipated expenses, will be in your retirement years, and then we can run that formula out for you very, very easily. It won't take that long. I do need to get those numbers for you. So, yeah, if you want, I'll be happy to have one of our – Bob get some information from you, and we'll have one of our advisors give you a ring and show you how to do this calculation properly, including it in a financial plan with taxes and inflation and your wife's earnings and and all kinds of things like that and break it down for you. It would be an interesting math. Okay. Okay. Let me put you on hold, Thomas. Bob will get some information from you, and we'll have someone reach out to you and give you a ring. Appreciate the phone call. Did you really say an interesting math problem? It is an interesting math problem, Chris. I, I don't know. I'm not interested in math. To, to figure it all out. Math know, was not my strong point in college. <laughs> not, it's not fun. Interesting I mean, I have an idea right now, but I, I just need to get a little bit more information from them, and then there I can I can kind of tell them where, where it's going to end up being, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that kind of goes to what I was talking about before Thomas called, which is appetite for risk. You know, there, it's kind of interesting. I was I was working with, with someone earlier this week, and I did a review with them, and I, I showed them that their risk level was about 23% less risky than the markets, but they had the same market returns. Some people will look at that and go, you know what, that's what I want, where other people will look at it and go, no, no. 
I want a little bit more risk, and I want to beat the market. And it just depends on where you are, right? But here's the bottom line is the calendar's moving forward, Chris, for all of us. We're having birthdays every year. Well, I know not you because you're still 22, <laughs> right? You got but it. Most people, are ha- most mortals anyway, are having birthdays every single year, right? <laughs> and we're moving closer and closer to that point in time when we have to start taking money out in retirement years. And there's something called systematic withdrawal. Uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, systematic or sequencing returns. There you go, sequencing of returns. I forgot the name of it. Sequencing of returns. When you go to retire, imagine this. You go to retire, and the first three years of your retirement, the markets just do incredibly well. You are set up for a nice long retirement scenario. But on the other hand, if the markets the first two or three years don't perform that well and even go negative for a couple of years, because that could very well happen in a bad timing scenario, right? Then your sequencing of returns becomes very, very important as to how much money you're withdrawing. So you have to stop stop and think about this. How do you set this up? When, you ta- when you're taking a look at your appetite for risk versus security, your need for, 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 for dependable streams of income from reliable sources in a, in a most tax-efficient manner, right? You have to boil that all down. And, 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 you know, this is we talk to people all across the country about all of this, and you have to take a look at having what's, what we would call a quiet pool of money within your portfolio that can sustain a couple of years of volatility while the rest of your accounts are continuing to look, look down the road and around the corner for longer-term growth to outpace taxes, inflation fees, the whole nine yards with all of that stuff. So there's a lot involved with all of this, but this comes all the way back around to this to this survey that I'm talking about here is it seems that people are thinking to themselves, you know what, if I can take a little bit more risk in my retirement years, that could help it out. But what happens if it moves the other way? My point is this is, you know, you 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 how do you manage money without a financial plan, right? How can you actually do that? What's the end point? Where are you aiming for? What does the plan tell you that you need? And I recommend that you get a financial plan. Uh, you know, there's there's all different types of things. You go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Just do that. It's an idea. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. And on the very first page, I've got a video there. It's about 90 seconds long, and it shows you what a properly structured financial plan really looks like. Okay, Uh, if you want, we'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit, which, by the way, uh, we're looking we're we're getting this thing very digitized where you're going to be able to go to our website and type in your information and just download our toolkit right there. Well, aren't you getting newfangled on us here? We're getting technology, Chris. There you go. Getting a little bit more techie, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But anyway, hey, if you want a copy of our financial planning toolkit, basically what our toolkit will do for you, and we have sent out thousands and thousands of these over the years uh, on this show, what it does, and there's no cost for it, what it does is it kind of draws a line in the sand and it addresses the question. The question is this, hey, if I continue to keep doing what I've been doing, where am I going to be down the road, right? Where am I going to be? And this is going to give you a starting point to take a look at that. It's going to go over your assets, performance, the risk, all that kind of stuff. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123 or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, if you want to get a copy of our financial planning toolkit. We'll be more than happy to send it out to you as far as all that goes. So, hey, we've got to take a quick break here. We're going to open up, keep those phone lines open. Give us a ring with any questions at all, 855 855- 
Rose 123 Listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. To talk to Larry right now, live in studio, 855-ROSE123. Larry. Chris, I have a programming announcement. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's that? hear about it. What's going on? You know, I was just Except sitting here. I, I, I'm just sitting here listening to that music, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm going, you're going. You're going somewhere, aren't you? You're going to go. It's like <laughs> island music. It's pretty cool, and I'm going. You know what? It's December, man. We need to crank up Rudolph or something like that. So, hey, it is time for Christmas music. Isn't it, it is. It is. Wow, so maybe next week going. we'll roll that out again. You know, yeah, I yeah. don't know, but we'll see. So, well, you don't want to go to the Bahamas with us and just enjoy yep. that. <laughs> right there, you go. Speaking of December, you know, some year-end tax tips oh. uh, and and uh, some stuff here that people may not be aware of that are still on the books from from last year, which is kind of good. A couple year-end tax tips, just sort of garden variety, basic stuff. You know, if if you've made too much income this year and you have an opportunity to defer the income into next year, talk to your employer or your contractor or whoever it may be and ask if you can do that. You know. Uh, there are some people out there that want to do that. They, they, their, their, their income's pushing them up into a higher tax bracket this year, and they're not anticipating as much next year. Maybe you can go ahead and defer into some of that as well. You can also take a look at accelerating deductions. You know, if you know that you're going to have a business expense next year, maybe go ahead and, and, and pay for it this year. Or if you're going to do some more charitable giving and things like that, you can accelerate some deductions as well. Speaking of charitable giving, Here's the rule on this. You know, if you itemize your deductions on your federal return, you can generally deduct uh, contributions, um, uh, but the deductions are limited depending on the type of deduction. It's limited to 60% or 30% or 20% of your adjusted gross income, depending on the type of property you give or the type of organization that, you, that you're giving it to 
uh, you know, that you want to contribute. How, and, and if you have excess amounts, if you give too much, you can carry it forward for five years on your tax return. But here's the deal, and a lot of people aren't aware of this. For 2021 charitable gifts, the, the normal rules have been enhanced again this year, okay? And it's limited to, to, uh, to increase to 100% of your adjusted gross income for cash given directly to public charities, okay? So it used to be that it was limited to 60% of your adjusted gross income, but this year it's limited to 100% of your adjusted gross income. So, so you know, if you're looking to make a, a substantial deduction, to, to a, ch- uh, a contribution, excuse me, to a charity, this has been extended this year from last year to up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. It's a nice tool, and it can help offset some extra taxable income that you may have uh, in, in 2021. So uh, another thing is you can take a look at bumping up your withholding taxes from your payroll, you know, moving into the end of the year just to get a little bit more even, if you will, for the IRS in, 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 in uh, this coming April when taxes are due. And don't forget, you know, rolling into next year, one of the key things, right, kind of a Rosenthal rule here, if you will, that I always say at the end of every year, make sure next year, if you're not maxing out your retirement plans, you add one more percent to your contribution. If you're putting in 7% this year to your retirement plan, next year in January, put in 8 Make a 1% annual increase every single year into your retirement plans if you're not already maxing them out. You will be amazed in most cases that you will not miss that 1%, okay, and that in your monthly spending, and it's going to give you all that extra money down the road in retirement years because of that compound interest on everything. So make sure that you try and, 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 and uh, uh, take, take a look at doing that. Take a look at your year-end. Uh, you know, if you want to max out your 401k, you can accelerate contributions the last last couple of weeks of, of the year. Talk to your employer about that. Um, you know, also your retire your RMDs, retirement uh, required minimum distributions. They're back this year. You've got to take them out. Last year in 2020, they were waived. But remember, if you're 72 or older now, you have to take out your required minimum distributions. If you fail to do so, it's a 50% tax penalty on all this. But uh, most people know this. Most people are on top of their RMDs uh, as far as where they can they can do all this. But be thinking about, you know, year-end planning, tax loss harvesting. You know, if you bought some stock in January and it's not doing so well now and it's not inside an IRA, you may want to consider tax harvesting, maybe selling it out, waiting 31 days, looking to rebuy, or moving it to a different uh, type of a, a security, you know, something something along those lines. But take a good look at it, you know, where you are with everything like this. And, and uh, you know, if, if there's been studies after studies over the years that pretty much show if you have the ability to, to lower taxes along the way, right, then it just gives you more of a, a, a more of a net worth down the road in your retirement years. So, so look at all these these things, and these are some of the things you should be talking in detail with about your advisor, taking a look at how it all works. It all works together: the estate planning with the estate planning attorney, taxes with the CPA firm or your tax preparer, and then the financial advice with the financial planner and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, big, big, big things there. We talked about our financial planning toolkit earlier in the show today. And um, 
Um, the the you know if you want to get a copy of our toolkit, give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three, or simply go to our website and ask send us off an email and say and ask for our financial planning toolkit. You know we'll we'll get a lot of emails here today, and we're happy to send them all out to you next week. So let's go ahead and welcome Charles on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Charles. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Uh, hi, Larry. I have a general question about the crypto market, uh, cryptocurrency for next uh, 10 years, if it is good investment right now for me. I'm 63 years old. I want to put some money on the crypto, like, uh, you know, Bitcoin and the, um, what's called Ethereum and other small cryptocurrency. I want, uh, I want your thought on it. What do you think about investing in crypto? For the next 10 years, wow, I can tell you this, short-term, it's extremely thing, volatile. What will be the effect on the dollar? Well, it's extremely volatile investment, okay? And, you know, that length of time, you've got to see what governments, our government and other governments around the world are going to do with it. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it doesn't pay a dividend, so you can't really model it. You're just buying the, the spot price of it. As you know, the 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 way you would buy gold, you know, you buy the spot price of it in an ETF, and you can get access to it through different ETFs that are available out there. You can try and and get your own coin by downloading some of the apps uh, from from that standpoint. So it's very volatile, um, and it's kind of a to be determined scenario over a ten year time frame. Um, is it going to be here? Is it going to flourish you know there's a lot of people that 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 are that are that have different opinions on all of that so i would say take a look at your risk profile and any money that you would put into that type of an asset class is money that you're willing to really roll the dice with that's my opinion on it so i don't know how it fits into your portfolio i don't know what percent it it is from that standpoint um, but just be very cautious with it all. If you want, I'll send you out some info on it. I'll, I'll help you do an, a, 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 an asset class breakdown of, you know, taking a look at it all, see how much risk you can afford. Would that be okay, Charles? Yes. Okay. Thank you for your explanation. Yep. I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get some of that info from you, and we'll, we'll, we'll get that uh, asset class selection risk out to you on that so appreciate the phone call you're listening to making money sense give us a ring 855-ROSE-123 that's 855-767-3123 you know I, I, I want to talk also today about benefits of working in retirement years benefits of working in retirement years um, there's a handful of benefits when it comes to working during your retirement years uh, you know, one of them is just the mental benefits of staying engaged, right? Staying engaged, Sociality, staying in the game. Yeah. Socialism, not socialism, but so, <laughs> social, socializing. There you go, socializing with peers. Um, challenges, you know, physical benefits. You got to stay in shape, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You got to stay in shape with, with with it all, with with staying in the game too, you know, Chris. And so, there's a lot of benefits there. There's financial benefits, okay. And um, by your continuing to build up your Social Security, if you're not taking it out, like we had a caller earlier this morning, you, there's more financial benefits, employers matching into your retirement plan, emotional benefits and the like, you know, but all of this stuff 
is is all aimed at a financial plan. I was working with a financial advisor earlier this week in the Midwest, explaining to him, teaching him how, how to do financial plans with clients and stuff like that and asset breakdowns and things of that nature. I'm telling you, it's very important. Go check it out. Go look at my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Pull up the front page there. Take a look at the video there. Okay, we're going to stay on YouTube for a while. We've got to close out the show on the airways. Appreciate everyone listening. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Larry Rosenthal's show, Making Money Sense. But we'll continue to broadcast right now on YouTube, which is LarryRosenthal.tv. You can click over there. We've got a lot of followers uh, checking us out there. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.